Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and literally around the world, this is another episode with your host, David J. Harris Jr. And today, friends, I have the privilege of having a man that knows a lot about what's going on behind the scenes. He is retired Lieutenant Stephen Rogers, retired police lieutenant, former president of New Jersey Police Community Relations Officers Association, U.S. Navy commander and former member of the FBI National Joint Terrorism Task Force. It's a privilege to have with me today, Stephen Rogers. Stephen, thank you so, so much, sir, for taking a little bit of time out of your day to to come on my show and hopefully help all Americans make us make sense to what we see unfolding in front of our eyes from the lockdowns to COVID to now health experts saying, oh, you can go out in groups of uh, no more than 100 if you're going to protest, to the police being under attack, to uh, General Mattis coming out against the president. We've got a lot to get into, and I hope you can shed some light on a lot of this for us. I sure could, and thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Well, let's jump right into it. You are currently in New Jersey. Uh, I showed and shared several videos of, of businesses being absolutely shut down. One uh, Jim in the area said, we're going to reopen and we're going to use social distancing guidelines better so even than the big box retailer stores there. Uh, the police were called out. It's been mayhem in New Jersey. What's the current state of affairs in New Jersey? Well, a lot of permanent damage has been done by the uh, Democrat governor here. Uh, get, let me give you an example. We had a very, very strong uh, uh, police community relations programs and a lot of police departments throughout the state. And as a result of these draconian uh, rules and regulations, the police were used to enforce unconstitutional laws. And that, that didn't bid well with police community relations. As you know, Dave, the, the, the people felt antagonized by the police. The police did not want to enforce these laws. And uh, one thing led to another and people were threatened and some were arrested. Uh, at this point, uh, people are just, uh, you know, the governor of New Jersey said uh, we have a lot to celebrate because he is opening the state. There's nothing to celebrate. Our constitutional rights were infringed upon. And all we've got to do now is begin to open a state and hope that we can rebuild our economy. But I must tell you, a lot of small businesses are never, ever going to come back from the damage done. And Dave, one more thing I think is important. I remember President Trump on national television saying, look, Let's not create a bigger problem than the original problem we have with the virus. Exactly. And, and a bigger problem was created, and that was the economy. They did so much damage to the economy. We will recover. We will bounce back. But small business people are going to have a hard time. Let me ask you this, because I, I play, you know, I, I try to play behind the radar. I try to see what's going on behind the scenes. I personally believe that so many of these, mostly all Democrat governors that initiated these lockdowns after we all listened to the president, you know, he said, you know, eight weeks to slow the curve and uh, six to eight weeks to slow the curve and do what we needed to do. He was going off of intelligence, which I want to get into in, in a minute with you as far as that in, that initial intelligence that the president was operating off of. But after that was lifted from the president's side, um, seems like it was pretty much Democrat governors were the ones that were still pushing these lockdown orders in states that weren't overran by COVID-19. It seemed very political to me as far as a way these Democrat governors could basically allow their own economies to tank and then turn around and blame the president for it or ask for federal bailout funds 
uh, on the backside. What, what's your what's your response to that? Well, I agree with you. Look, in my view, look, we all agreed we should wear masks. We should have had social distancing. There was never any argument about that. But the problem was when it just continued on and on and on. You had people who, in some cases, and I can tell you in New Jersey, liquor stores were open, but churches were closed. Liquor stores were open. Why were other businesses closed? Well, you dig a little deep and you find out, Dave, who gave the governor huge donations during his election campaign? The liquor industry. Wow. So, you know, you start, yeah, you start digging and you start realizing, wait a minute, what is this all about? Why is it people can't go to church and yet you could go here and there? So uh, at the end of the day, at least in my view, based on the totality of circumstances we were facing, it seemed to me that there was a, an attempt to uh, destroy this president. They know an election's coming. There was nothing left. They think about it. There was nothing left for the Democrats to hang their hat on. The Russia hoax killed them. Comey and that whole crew were in a lot of trouble. I mean, everything they attempted failed. And then this came along and they seized the opportunity to do a heck of a lot of damage. And, 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 and it's, it's sad, it's unfortunate, but it did happen. And so the question is, well, if we get another wave of this virus, are they gonna close the economy down again? If they do, they'll destroy this country. Do you think, and ha- have you been hearing from your, the people that are in your area? I, I've heard from a lot of Democrats, lifelong Democrats, that say that these draconian measures that these Democrat governors have initiated on their states uh, is waking them up. They realize that it's political, and they don't, they're not going to vote for their same Democrat governors any longer, and a lot of them are, are even sharing that they're going to vote for this president because they understand that that's what's taking place. Have you heard, is that a sentiment in New Jersey? Oh, absolutely, and I'll take it a step further. Uh, because I've been mentioning this on the air a lot. I strongly believe, Dave, that there is a socialist agenda being planted in every state across this country. There appears to be an attempt for the government to control every single thing we do. So I've been telling people, especially Democrats, and especially those unions who have supported Democrats, you got a taste of socialism. You couldn't leave your house. In New Jersey, we had a police department that had drones flying over people's homes. Uh, to do what? To take pictures if you're not social distancing? Where? On your property, a violation of the Fourth Amendment. Uh, I, I, you have Mayor de Blasio in New York encourage people to do what? Take pictures of your neighbors uh, if they're not social distancing. So this is a socialist agenda. Now, of course, some people may say to me, well, what do you know about socialism? Well, what a lot of people are finding out now is that, uh, you see that American flag behind me? Well, my wife was not raised under the Stars and Stripes. She was raised under a red flag with a hammer and a sickle in the Soviet Union. Well, if anybody knows anything about the the, the seeds of of socialism being planted, she does. And when this came upon us, Dave, she said to me, I ran from that. She said, you got to get the message out that they're going down a road that will first be atheism, then socialism, then communism. Uh, So when she said that to me, boy, was it a wake up call. And so, yes. The Democrats who are, and and look, I don't question anybody's patriotism, but if you're going to go down the socialist road and the communist road, I got a lot of questions. But I noticed that Democrat conservatives and independents are coming the president's way because they got a taste of socialism, of government control of their lives, and they didn't like it. Yeah, I agree. I've I've seen and heard and seen the memes. You know, can I, can I, uh, 
give back this 90-day trial of socialism. Um, it, it seems that these, again, mostly Democrat. I've seen some rhinos too. I've had I've had people that follow me and sent me messages and said, "Hey, there's some Republicans that are siding with these lockdowns as well. Some mayors that are siding with it." But it seems like it's their only way to try to gather control over their state because I think they know they're going to lose this upcoming election. I think they understand that President Trump is going to absolutely demolish Joe Biden if it's still, I guess the DNC has finally announced that he's their, uh, he's their uh, nominee, but he doesn't hold a candle to this president. Um, I, think, I think people's waking up. I'm glad to hear that, that that's, it's waking people up in New Jersey as well. Now, you were, you, were on the, uh, uh, you were on the FBI National Joint Terrorism Task Force, so you can speak directly to I was watching, I saw one of your hits on, I think, Fox, and you were speaking about Antifa. You know, I really want to try to break down what has taken place. So many millions of Americans are pulled into, drawn into this racial relation, this race baiting. It's literally race baiting uh, relationship uh, uh, where they're trying to figure out whose side are they on, and they don't want to be deemed a racist. They don't want to say black lives don't matter. They want to say black lives matter. But the problem with that is the origin of Black Lives Matter, who's behind Black Lives Matter, and what is their agenda? Can you expose what you know about the behind the scenes of Black Lives Matter and Antifa and how they actually kind of coexist? Well, to begin with, there has always been organizations within the minority community, the black community, who have very legitimate arguments with regard to some of the things we see happening in our court system, in our police system, sure, they're legitimate. Absolutely. I believe uh, uh, the, the, the George Floyd murder, and that's what it was, uh, those police officers should have been indicted, arrested, and locked up immediately. There was yes. no need to wait a few days. We all saw what happened. Absolutely. And there it was. But, but there it was. The moment in time we all universally came together. The entire country, no matter who you were, what party affiliation or what color, we all agreed that this was horrible and that this should have been taken care of immediately. But Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and other organizations that have no interest at all in healing race relations, they hijacked the protesters. I have, I have supported the protests as long as they were orderly and they were decent. Uh, and the reason why I have, you know, people say, gee, well, why would you support it? Because as a conservative, there's going to come a time when I want to protest. And I don't want somebody dictating to me that I cannot uh, exercise my constitutional right to assemble and protest. So it's fine. And, and they got their message out. And it was, a good, it was good in many respects. Now, how did we get to the point of violence? There's your Antifa. There's your organizations that uh, uh, suggest violence. And there are many in Black Lives Matters that do that. I wish the leadership of uh, Black Lives Matter would do what Sean King did. He's an activist at BLMN. BLM, and a couple yep. days ago, he actually came out and said the reason why we have the problems we're facing is because of the Democrat control of these cities. Yes, now, he did. Yeah, I'm sure he, yeah, he did. And then I give him credit for that. Absolutely. Uh, now, there is, there, there is this idea that racism is uh, systematic throughout the entire law enforcement profession. We've got the stats that say that is not true. But I've also said this, perception's reality. There's a reason why there's a perception there. So the things we should be going after are the courts, are the politicians, and not the police. Now, Antifa is a terrorist organization. Uh, they're the ones that have shown up at a lot of these different demonstrations and committed a lot of violence. They are dedicated to bringing down this government. 
it's a, it's not an organization, by the way. It's a loose knit of uh, anarchists who have networked via their cell phones, the internet, uh, certain hand signals uh, uh, at these protests and these uh, events. So these are individuals who are anarchists. They have no interest in race relations. And this is not a war on, on black people. It's not a war on white people. It's not a war between the police and the minorities. This is a war that has to shape up against who? Anarchists, communists, and socialists trying to take this country down. Yes, I know that I, I know that I saw you share that from some of the weapons that Antifa has been caught with, some of the antics, some of their tactics that you said that, it, that it's absolutely accurate that President Trump deemed them a terrorist organization. Can you elaborate on some of what you've seen? Yes, I can. Now, of course, there was uh, a lot of criticism towards him that you cannot uh, deem uh, 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 American citizens as a terrorist organization. Well, he can. But here's what was going on. Uh, not only myself, but other law enforcement practitioners had uh, advised police departments to do a lot of reconnaissance in their cities, block by block, if they were going to have protests there. Why? Because perhaps hours before, uh, a knapsack full of rocks, bricks, acid in bottles, in some cases explosives, would be put in trash cans near sewers, and they would be put there uh, with the idea that the night before they would instruct someone of their group, Antifa or whatever, to go to that location and to use those as weapons against the police. So there was a lot of pre-planning with Antifa. The violence should never, never be blamed on the protesters. They acted according to law. Uh, they acted within the framework of the Constitution, but it was Antifa and these other terrorist groups that pre-planned attacks on the police. And this is why things got out of control very, very fast. Well, and see, I understand what you're saying, and I 100% agree. Actually, I actually was driving into my neighborhood last weekend and saw two big pallets of bricks. And I also was aware that there was going to be a Black Lives Matter march the very next day. I was extremely alarmed. Somebody had already taken a picture of it and put it on Twitter. I didn't know that until uh, a couple other guys stopped for the same reason. Come to find out, it was the... The neighbor came running out and said, please don't take these bricks. My neighbor's been waiting to fix the backside of his wall for two years. OSHA just finally decided to drop him off. So that was a, that was a, a false flag in the, in the accurate sense. That was a false alarm. Um, but uh, but we, I have seen plenty of videos where these rocks have been piled up in different locations, bricks in different locations. Here's the issue that I have. And this is what I really hope that, that people that do want to protest peacefully that do say and agree hey that we need some reforms we need some uh, enhancements to law enforcement their accountability and i want to get into that with you in a minute as well but there's people that have been sucked into this movement because they saw the murder of george floyd i think every person that saw it was disgusted it was absolutely murder uh, and I don't think it was racially motivated. Derek Chauvin, the the, the murderer, he was married to an Asian woman. I, he worked with uh, with George Floyd for ten plus years, fifteen years, something like that. Um, I don't think it was racially motivated. Yet there was still the racial undertone there because it was a black man and and Derek is white. So there's an understanding instinct that comes out of people, and especially comes out of the black community i believe because it's been fanned by mainstream media every single time a white cop shoots a black person especially if they're unarmed it regardless of if the is it, if the uh 
the the perpetrator, the person that was shot, was resisting arrest, regardless of if they were going for a gun, regardless of if they were trying to choke somebody out. I know the one story, the one guy that had broke into a cop's house naked, tried to fight an officer. The officer tased him. That didn't phase him, so then he shot him. You know, we don't hear all that. The mainstream media, the majority of mainstream media, they don't share that. So they continue to just blanket every time a white cop shoots a black person. They don't do that when it's a white cop that shoots a white person. They don't share that. So there's this perceived, you, you said it accurately, perception is reality. The problem I, I see is the majority of people, rightfully so, unfortunately, are getting their perspective from the mainstream media, which is then creating and exacerbating and exploiting every single time one of these instances happens and so then we wind up with a whole lot of americans that are that are rightly and i think actually unjustly uh pissed off about what change needs to happen that are then at these protests that are at these marches and a lot of them get sucked in when antifa comes in and starts throwing rocks now they're throwing rocks too not not obvious obviously all of them but a lot of them get emotional and start throwing rocks because the riots that I've seen and the, the vandalization I've seen, the looting that I've seen, there's been a lot of black people that have been all up in the middle of that. Okay, I want to pause for a second and tell you about a company that is supporting me, one of my sponsors, Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold Group helps Americans diversify their savings with gold and silver. In February, when COVID-19 was a distant concept to most Americans, gold was in the $1,500 range. The Dow was over 29000 Today, as the virus tears apart the economy, gold is over $1,700 and the Dow is around 2400 If you have not diversified some of your savings into gold, there's no better time than today. Protect your savings from any further setbacks in the stock market. Gold is a safe haven against uncertainty. Contact Birch Gold Group to request a free info kit on physical precious metals. See if diversifying into gold and silver makes sense for you. To get your no-cost, no-obligation kit, go to birchgold.com slash dhgold. That's birchgold.com slash dhgold. Well, a couple of things. One is the uh, fact that the uh, police, uh, and this is factual, white cops shoot more white people than black people. Yes. Uh, that is an absolute fact. But as Almost we said, twice as many last year. Exactly. And with regard to, well, my question to Black Lives Matter and others, do all Black Lives Matter? Because I've seen either nothing or very little about a police captain, black police captain in Minneapolis, retired 77-year-old grandfather, David shot Dorn. and killed by looters. Yeah. Not much about him. Not much about him. Not much about him because people like Al Sharpton, who has fuel to the fires of racism across this country, he latches on to these uh, 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 causes. The causes are good. But when a guy like him gets involved, and I mention him because I know him way back in the 70s when he created a firestorm on the East Coast regarding Tawana Brawley, uh, where he was making accusations about a young girl was raped, where white cops were involved, and it all ended up being a big, big hoax. But, but my wow. fact is, yeah, it was. And I believe a, a, a cop committed suicide over that who was innocent. So he created a lot of, of, of racial tension, and he continues to do that. What was the name of that case? What was that over? That was the Tawana Brawley case. If you look that up, you'll see it was in New York. Uh, and uh, he actually, and a lot, of, a lot of people don't know that uh, today because, uh, you know, unless – 
somebody's lived in that time. And I, and I did. I was a police officer at that time. And he just created a firestorm that uh, was just unspeakable. But getting to the other point you made uh, with regard to the mainstream media and all people are doing is getting sucked in. You're right, but there's something else they're getting sucked into. And that is what our college professors are teaching our children today. Yes. I can't begin to tell you, Dave, and maybe you have faced this. I have friends brought up uh, all the same in the same household, conservative values, and you know, we all went to church, we all respected mom and dad, you know, we were brought up on that. Well, their kids go off to college and come back totally different. Uh, yep. Why? Because they were sucked into a socialist agenda by their college professors. The college professors are no longer teaching as journalists are no longer reporting. It's all indoctrination. And so now it all caught up to us. And uh, I find it amazing that when some of these protesters are interviewed, some of these people are no, uh, are no more than 17, 18, 19 years old. And they're talking about oppression. You know what oppression is? Live back in the 1950s as a, as a black person. There's right. oppression. There's discrimination. That, live back in the days of enslavement. Those are the people that paid a heavy price for your freedom today. And they should be honored. Uh, they should be honored for the sacrifice they made so that you could go out and protest. So don't tell me about oppression. Uh, and, 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 I, and I hear that on and on and on. That white kids, all right, that are in affluent neighborhoods. Uh, I hear the same thing. Where were they ever oppressed? They're riding yeah. around in Mercedes. They're riding around. They're going to the best private schools. So the point is, is that as parents, we've done the best we could, but we have to go a step further and we have to take our government back and we have to make sure that these colleges are going to teach and that journalists should do journalism and not indoctrinate. Yeah, they should actually report and teachers should actually teach, with, not with a biased that capitalism is evil and, and the way America was built, uh, it was wrong. It's definitely churning out the next generation of liberals that uh, you know are just kind of mindless in their pursuit. What about this? What's your take on General Mattis? General Mattis has come out uh, against the president. What, what can you share about why Mattis would come out uh, opposing what the president has been uh, talking about doing and using the National Guard? And why do you think he'd be interjecting at a time like this? Well, it's regrettable that he did that, uh, as well as the other generals. There's always been an unwritten law of respect to the man sitting in the White House, no matter who he is, that you do not criticize the sitting president of the United States, especially in a crisis. But Mattis has a personal bone of contention with the president. This is all personal. And so, again, you have a general who is hijacking a cause, and the cause is to make America great again, to keep America great, to keep our economy strong. The cause is good that the president is pursuing, but the cause is bad that the Democrat socialists are pursuing. And so what does Mattis do? He jumps on to the Democrat socialist side, not because he supports them, but he's using that as a vehicle to destroy this president and his agenda. It's regrettable. I've never seen anything like this as long as I live. But on the issue that he is criticizing the president on, we need to get something very straight with these generals. To begin with, they don't live in the neighborhoods where the people are crying for help. When your house is burning, when your people uh, uh, who live in your neighborhood are being shot and mugged and beaten, and they're watching their businesses burn, and when you dial 911 and there's no answer, you will beg for anything, any help. And that's what these poor citizens in Minneapolis did, beg for help. So the president heard their cry, and he said, if I have to send the military in to help them, I'm going to do that. 
Well, he can do that under the Insurrection Act. Now, these individuals, like Mattis, says, they cry foul, oh, this is terrible, it shouldn't be done. Well, they ought to look at history because 12 times before President Trump, there were presidents that did invoke the Insurrection Act. During the Vietnam War, when there were marches, we could go way back at the Civil Rights Demonstrations, the Democrat National Convention in 68. So this is nothing new. The only thing new about it is, is that they have a president in office who's trying to do his job and they hate him. And they hate what they see happening, not the bad stuff they see happening. They hate to see him responding in the way he is. That's terrible. It should have never happened with regard to Mathis, but it did. But at the end of the day, this man's going to get reelected. I couldn't agree with you more. I absolutely believe that he will. I, I think that one other beautiful sign of hope and encouragement are the jobs report numbers for May. Two and a half million jobs, more than any month in history. And that comes right on the cusp of COVID-19, all of the businesses shutting down. It comes right during a time when there's riots that are taking place throughout the country. I think, if anything, that should remind Americans that there's a whole lot going on that's positive in our country that's not being put all over the mainstream media, even though our mainstream media is is just blasted and overflowing with everything that has to do with these riots and these protests. Meanwhile, 95%, probably or more, of the United States of America is getting back to work. It's business as usual. Uh, it's business is growing. It's jobs being added. And it's everything that this administration has been all about. Well, you're absolutely right. There are other things going on, very positive things. To begin with, stimulus checks, grants, funding to help who? The small business person. Even that, the big businesses, the NFL or NBA, imagine they, they went after the money that the president had allocated for small businesses. They got caught. All right, it goes back to the greed. But the fact of the matter is, the president has done a lot of good to get people back to work and businesses on their feet. But I think what is one of the most important things being done, and the mainstream media hasn't touched this at all, is what is the president doing to heal America, right? We hear the drumbeat. Well, he needs to get out there and he needs to start helping heal America. Behind the scenes, what he is doing is he's putting together task force and he's putting together programs, time-tested programs like community policing. And he's building now a structure where he's going to enhance community policing all over the country that's going to include again the people who live in the community and the cops who live and work in the community and a big fat component is our faith-based individuals our clergy our ministers our priests our rabbis they need now to be part of this huge uh, effort to bring america back and let me add this part of bringing america back part of bringing the police and the people back together does lay on the shoulders of a lot of cops. Now, I'm going to say something that a lot of cops may not like to hear, but I'm going to have to say it because it's something that I've been advocating for years. Bad cops need to be exposed by good cops. Absolutely. The blue wall of violence must come down. When yes. a bad cop does something, that blue, that, that, that good cop has to say something. Now, I, I look, I, I, my whole life, 38 years as a cop, I know when you're a cop, you know, you don't want to be called a rat. You don't want to be called names. You don't want uh, this and that. But I've got to tell you, there were occasions in my career that I turned in as a sergeant, as a supervisor, a couple of cops. And I went through the point of time, no backups came. Uh, there, was, there was a lot of nasty stuff put on my locker, nasty notes. I went through all that because the blue wall of silence went up 
And I was the bad guy, and the bad cop, he was the popular guy. But guess who finished his career? Me. Guess who has a pension? Me. You know where the bad cop went? Didn't finish his career. My point is this, wow. is that you, you, you've got to have courage, you've got to stand up, and you've got to add to value to the solution, and that is why I have always suggested, where do cops go? Where, really, Dave, think about this, where can they go? I had nobody to talk to, no place to go. So I've advocated, get clergy, get police chaplains in the police departments, so that that cop who's ready to do what is right has somebody to talk to. I leaned, continuously leaned on my spiritual beliefs from Christ. I, I read the Bible and I, I was able to, you know, through the uh, faith I had in, in, in Jesus and, 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 and the scriptures, I was able to pull myself through this. So, uh, so my point is, if we want reform, the, 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 the police officers' hearts have to begin to reform to believe that a lot of weight is on their shoulders. You get rid of those bad cops. If these 18 times that this, this murderous cop in Minneapolis, if the first or second time he was turned in by those good police officers, you and I wouldn't be talking about this today. But, but I pass that on because cops need to know, man, the good cops far, far outnumber the bad cops. Yes. Sometimes you got to have the guts and courage to stand up. And you know what? The good cops will follow. Well, I believe that. I actually shared a video that went pretty viral where I said and mentioned that exact same thing, that blue wall of silence, uh, it must come down. What's, other than, other than uh, integrating some clergy, some pastors, some faith leaders into the police department to allow them to be leaned on for support, be a part of maybe different cases that are going on, what else do you think could be done to encourage instead of diminish uh, an officer's desire to try to come forward and share, hey, this officer has been using excessive force, he's been using racial language, this guy's a potential threat to all of us. I, I really think that if officers had confidence that when they brought issues like this forward, they would do it more, but because of that blue coat of silence, it's not really done. What else do you think could be done to help break that, that wall of silence down and get more cops to actually hold themselves accountable? Well, I think for the most part, police officers rightfully and justifiably believe that if they were to stand up, the politicians would not back them up. The, the, the politics runs uh, very deep in police departments, and there are cops who uh, have what we call hooks, if you will, uh, deep in the political system. And uh, as a result, a cop is reluctant to uh, uh, you know, do, even do their job. I mean, look what's happening now. They're always second-guessed. Uh, I am a strong opponent of civilian review boards uh, that has nothing but uh, trouble for police officers who want to do their job. Uh, every time you turn around, uh, somebody is complaining about excessive force, racial profiling. Uh, and, and I was the victim of some of that stuff, too. You know, 38 years, you get people who are going to complain. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you pulled somebody over and right away you pulled me over and you did something like uh, uh, pull my ear or, or it was racial profiling. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, the uh, introduction of cameras, best thing that happened to police departments. Yes. Because now these false allegations can be taken care of as well as the real thing. Yeah. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that for cops to stand up, what, what needs to be done, police officers need to know that they have peers within their department that are willing to stand with them shoulder to shoulder. 
And uh, I've, I've suggested, and it's worked well, uh, at least when I was on the job, then it did include the clergy to have these fellowship meetings. You have these peer group meetings. You come together with cops, not only in your department, but in other departments. You encourage each other and work with each other. We all need a helping hand. We all need a shoulder to lean on. Nobody wants to be alone uh, when you're facing something like this. So yeah. we need to encourage those positive things, Dave. And, and it, it does work. So you can't just have civilians involved. You gotta have uniformed cops involved saying, I'm standing with you, we're gonna get rid of this guy because he's tarnished our badge, he stained our profession. And soon enough, that wall's gonna come down. One more question for you uh, before final thoughts. Minneapolis, the council there in Minneapolis has voted uh, to start to defund and dis- disband the police. Um, I, 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 I've heard and read that it's something that cannot be vetoed. What do you think is going on and what, what do you think will transpire in Minneapolis with the police department? Well, just before airtime, I tweeted out and recommended that residents begin the process of selling their homes, get their kids out of that city as fast as they could. The corporations and businesses and retail outlets got to go get out soon, sooner rather than later, because what this will do is do exactly what the people have begged them not to do. It'll take their safety net away. Uh, you, You think there was fire bombing going on now? Uh, rapes, murder. I mean, this is a, they're, they're, those poor people are going to be sitting ducks for criminals. What do you do when you pick up the phone and there's no police department? Or are you going to send social workers? So this is insanity. This is the Democrat socialist uh, agenda that, at, at, its, at its peak. So we're going to see a lot of bloodshed. And the bloodshed is going to be one-sided. And that's going to be the victim. So it's going to be up to the people uh, of that city to straighten this out because there's going to be absolutely no help coming from the outside. You could you could be sure of that. So there's ba- so there's basically nothing stopping it. The police department is is what just going to be shut down. I mean, walk me through if you know what are the steps that they're literally going to enact. They've talked about defunding it. Are they just talking about shutting it down? They've got no uh, backup plan. They have nothing as an alternative. They're going to start to train up new people, community, law enforcement officers that I hear are not not even going to be carrying guns. Is that their plan? Well, it's a good question, and they haven't revealed their plan because they have no plan. Uh, uh, Yes, I've heard the same thing. Uh, They'll send uh, people in suits. you got a crime being committed. Well, we'll go there and we'll uh, do whatever. I I can't imagine somebody facing a, 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 a violent active shooter uh, in, in a suit uh, going up to them saying, well, look, let's talk about this. There is no plan, Dave. There's no plan. Unbelievable. Uh, maybe in their mind that they're, they're going to reduce the police force to uh, a skeleton crew. I don't know. I, I just don't know. But the city councilwoman who proposed all of this, she was asked on CNN, uh, what do you expect people to do once the police department's gone? She couldn't answer it. You see, they don't even have an answer to that. Wow. So it's, it's madness. It's, it's insanity. So final thoughts. This year, I love you shared your faith in Christ. I would not be here if it was not for God's grace and love and mercy. And I wouldn't have the platform that I even have right now if it wasn't for him guiding me. And I just try to follow. He's, we, we have a good papa. We have a good papa. He loves his kids. So uh, I, always, I always try to look for and see if I can hear from heaven, so to speak, the silver lining on all of this. What what do you what do you consider? What do you think 
what could you conceive become a silver lining to all of the riots, all the protests, all the anarchy, to police departments being defunded? Uh, what is the silver lining that you could see coming from all of this chaos this year? The silver lining I see is that people are going to go back and lean on their faith. I really believe that. Getting a taste of socialism, getting a taste of chaos, scared, and no pun intended, the hell out of everyone. And I see that uh, they are going to go back to their churches. Look, people haven't been to churches in years. They haven't worshipped. And uh, I'll tell you, one of the things I saw during the coronavirus uh, crisis, it was interesting to see kids on the streets with chalk, you know, like when I was a kid, they were writing, playing hopstock. Yeah. They weren't behind their computers. They were with their parents. They were actually on front lawns with mom and dad. And there was so much joy of families coming together. So, so I see that silver lining as God taking Satan's chaos. And what's the scripture say? What man meant for evil, God meant for good. Yes. So, uh, look, you and I aren't preachers, right? You're in a profession, I'm in a profession, and people may never expect to hear that come from our mouths. But when people like you and I live it, breathe it, and understand it, uh, we can see that silver lining being targeted right on Christ, right on faith. And I've got to tell you, if we pray, and it says it in Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people humble themselves, pray, pray and call out my name, I will yeah. humble their land. And it's yes. as simple as that. Yes, I agree. I love it. Uh, and it says, and turn from their wicked ways in there. I think that we all as a people need to understand where we haven't been letting God in our lives. You know, we can't have this, this uh, belief and lifestyle that says, I want God on Sundays and when I need him, right? We need to let, let him have all of us and let him invade every aspect of our life and shine light in those dark places that maybe we want to keep for ourselves and say, God, if this is in the way of me having more of you and your will done in my life, then you can have it. I surrender. I believe that when we begin to walk in that form of, of surrender and yielding to God, that his will will truly be done and our land will be healed. So, Stephen, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure having you on my show today. And for everybody to go follow you on Twitter, what's your handle again? Well, that's at LT Stephen Rogers. At LT Stephen Rogers. All right. Well, God bless you, my brother. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. Would love to have you back on in the future, and hopefully we'll be able to see that silver lining coming together uh, in the near future. Well, it's been an honor and a pleasure, and I salute you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Stephen. God bless. Friends, there you have it. I think we covered a heck of a lot right there in that. And this is a podcast and an episode that you definitely want to share. Please share this with 10, 15, 20 friends. We're not getting the truth from the mainstream media. They're only giving us pieces. There's a heck of a lot more going on behind the scenes than any of us are being told. I just broke it down to you. And that's why I'm so glad and thankful that you have subscribed to the David J. Harris Jr. Podcast. Please spread this around 10, 15, 20 friends. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye.